Hello, I'm John Waters, and I'm supposed to announce there is no smoking in this theater, which I think is one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard of in my life. How can anyone sit through a length of a film, especially a European film, and not have a cigarette? But don't you wish you had one right now? Mm, 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 mm. And I'm telling you, smoke anyway. It gives ushers jobs. And if people didn't smoke, there would be no employment for the youth of today. So once again, no smoking in this theater. We didn't catch that on mic, but uh, just uh, to confirm the report, uh, Harry is going to have a short summary of this movie. Um, I'm I'm sure we'll be able to stick to that. Uh, An HMPS. A what? A Harry Mack and patented summary. Oh, that's correct. That's good. Well, I'm wondering, uh, this is the second time I think I I haven't quite locked mm, that in. uh, I don't know, man. You might already be an infringement. I had to license it exclusively through, uh, Aaron Grossman enterprises. And I don't, I don't know if you're going to be in direct violation of any patents that Aaron already has on this concept, but, uh, you know, I'm I'm just publishing. I'm not uh, standing well, by the. Legality. He's never going to hear this, so he'll never file. Yeah, that's true. So at the very least, it's an HMPPS. He <clears throat> I I do I beseech and dare Aaron Grossman to listen to this episode and reference this literally ever. If he ever I gets around, you, to this, out, you need you need to send, send me a message in Discord that proves it with keyword boon me. You must I actually type like Boon literally Leo. don't know if he's ever listened to an episode of this podcast. I'm pretty sure he hasn't. When we were living together, I asked him like if he I, I forget what it was. It was like berries or something. And it was like the first time he had ever gone back through episodes. Like I do not think he ever listens back. I mean I, mean, I listen I through understand. most of episodes to edit and stuff, but I'm not going back through every so, single wait, episode. We, but we he liked the never. police story movies? Yeah, we were that was last weekend. What are you talking about? <laughs> Have we ever covered oh, no. uh, Bellatar. <laughs> oh, Bellatar. Bella Bella. Uh, thank you very much for listening to Try Love, a literal roundtable podcast. A little less round today, uh, where we talk about movies we saw or people we met at the Trilon Cinema in Minneapolis, Minnesota. You can find us on Twitter at Trilove Podcast. You can find the Trilon Cinema at Trilon. Excuse me. Oh, Jesus. No, you can't. At Trilon Cinema or at Trilon.org, where you can get tickets, merch, and other information on upcoming showings and series. My name is Jason Daphnis. Um, the doctor said I try too many things, and you should find me on Twitter at Nintendoofus. I'm Cody Narvison. I was almost a beauty queen, and you can find me on Twitter at Cody underscore BH. And I'm not a god. I'm a catfish, and I'm also Harry Mackin, and you can find me on Twitter at Shiitake Harry. And in today's beautiful episode on Uncle Boon Me, uh, who can recall his past lives, we're going to have Aaron, uh, maybe in direct violation of patent law, uh, summarize this movie for us. Hey, thanks, Jason. My name is Harry, um, but I can be Aaron. Do you want me to say, this say Aaron? Did voice? I say Aaron aloud? Did I you really just make miss that it so much? We all do, man. In a past life, right. maybe you were an Aaron. I probably he is a year <laughs> younger than me, exactly, which kind of feels Whoa. like a past life. Uh, should I do this in the Aaron voice? <laughs> That'd be very funny, but uh, go as long right, as you can. All right, here we go. Uh, hmm, I don't know if I can. Hmm, let me think. Um, Oh, uh, Uncle Boomy. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. Uh, this is directed by Apichat Pong with Rasathakul. I pronounced that uh, many times before. Wonderful. You get it right. Thank you. Um, he has a new movie out, by the way. Anyway, uh, Memoria looks really good. Uh, Uncle Boon Me, who can recall his past lives, uh, is about the eponymous character Uncle Boon Me, who is um, dying of kidney failure um, in a sort of a state 
in um like upcountry Thai uh, Thailand, uh, Isan specifically, his um, sister-in-law and her son come to visit him to sort of um, help put his estate in order. Um, and while they're there, they um, encounter ghosts and are informed that Uncle Boon Mi in his illness is beginning to recall uh, memories of his previous lives. And they have um, several sort of supernatural experiences together to that effect. Um, this is the... Uh, final installment in a multi-platform art project that um, the director put together about the Isan region of uh, Northeast Thailand. Um, the art project was called Primitive, um, and it concerned, in, in his own words, um, transformation and extinction, and also touched very closely upon um, the 1965 crackdown on communist sympathizers um, in Nambua uh, by the Thai army. Um, although he has said that this is not a person or a political film, it's more personal than that. Um, he has also gone on to say that um, when you make a film about recollection and death, you realize that cinema is also facing death. Uncle Boon Me is one of the last pictures shot on film. Now everybody shoots digital. It's my own little lamentation. And I only bring that up because I think it's actually really important to sort of understanding and contextualizing this film. Um, this is uh, a very famous movie. Um, it won can when it came out in uh 2010 and has since been sort of claimed as one of the great sort of gems of world cinema um apachat pong where rasa thakul has gone on to be a very famous thai director in his own right um though i believe this is still his most well-known um film and uh yeah it's been sort of um i i would say never really critically um reclaimed because it's always been um it was always highly regarded, but I think it's really stood the test of time um, in terms of its legacy. I would agree. It's visibly and I guess to perceive this movie, there, it, does, it, it doesn't feel super like timely or dated. It's very, very much um, like it feels present. It feels like like this is from 2010 and a lot of movies from, from 2010 just, it just sort of like – existed in a style that was already kind of dated. Um, I'm having a hard time explaining that. And maybe it's sort of explained away by the fact that uh, what you brought up about how it was shot on film. Um, but I am, uh, I, I'm, I'm excited to talk about this movie because I barely understand it, I think. And I, and I don't feel like that negatively understands or excuse me, negatively affects my overall uh, opinion of it. Um, I got a lot of, I guess one of the strongest things I came away from this movie with was a lot of uh, first cow vibes. And I'll explain that. Um, not in that, like it acts or feels or tells a story like that to me, but in sort of that, um, you know, the natural, supernatural, the magical realism uh, that this movie so obviously forwards, um, the way that the camera lingers, it doesn't really follow as a general practice people through a, uh, a scene, it more like, you know, keeps the frame still and lets actors move and give meaning to what the frame is capturing rather than, and you know, the, the way that they move through it rather than like what they actually do in the scene or focusing on individual pieces. Um, I would really love to talk about the form of this movie and I'm sure we'll get around to it as well. Um, but more generally, this movie, like, it lives in a sort of, I, I had no idea what to expect about this movie. All I knew was the the poster and the fact that the trial was going to be playing it. Um, it sort of lives in this strange, unpredictable comfort zone surrounding loss and the concept of loss, not just death, even though it is like the inciting incident is a death. Um, you know, uh, Boon Song, his son, who is featured on the poster, one of the monkey spirits that he turns into, uh, didn't die. He chose a different life i guess just as an example of like how this movie does expand its 
purview beyond like the boundary between life and death. It's the boundary between the way you're living, the the person you are and either a person you want to be or the other people around you or the people maybe you don't recognize yourself as being. Um, it's way more about, uh, in, you know, forwarding interpersonal relationships and you know, like I just mentioned, internal re- relationships, your own concept of yourself, um, and sort of what you, uh, you know, see for yourself and see in yourself. Um, we see a lot of people worrying about themselves, you know, their own faiths and doubts. Then actually there's a suspicious lack of worry about what comes next, a lack of worry about death. There are a couple of scenes that sort of forward that, but overall this movie does not communicate this sort of trenchant insight about like, oh, things will be okay once you die or, you know, settling your affairs in order and stuff. Just plot wise, it's not really what I expected it to be in a really beautiful sort of serendipitous way. Um, There are some questions I have about uh, sort of the, well, there are a lot of questions I have, but more broadly about how supporting characters are used in this movie. Um, I'm specifically mentioning uh, Jen and Tong, I believe the uh, sister-in-law and I guess then what does that make him nephew in law of Boonmi, uh, who come to sort of see him help him see his affairs uh, in order before he before he passes away of kidney failure um and sort of how they are used or given depth or backstory th- without having too much of an actual like you know exposition there are a lot of conversations we have where they touch on sort of who they are and what they want and their histories and their beliefs without really like building those out and then once Boonmi is gone from the story spoiler alert once Boomi has gone from the story, we're just sort of like left with them, these dangling hanging threads um, that I think created a really interesting way to cap this movie off. Um, I think I've probably rambled on just a little bit too long. Uh, I'm going to grab the next vine and swing over to where Cody's tree is. And, uh, and I'm going to ha- hand it off to him so he can uh, sort of take it forward. Cody. Zippity doodah. Uh, thank you, Jason. Uh, so th- Uncle Boomi, I watched this movie one other time, and I, um, through the magic of Letterboxd, uh, let, let, letterboxd, uh, com, um, I, I looked and I apparently, uh, beautifully coincidentally enough, I watched it, uh, one year ago tomorrow, um, from when we're Whoa. recording this. Uh, Whoa. Cody, who can yeah. recall his past watches of Uncle Me, who can recall his <laughs> past lives? With the assistance of Letterboxd Diary feature. Yes, exactly. Um, so yeah, yeah, this was uh, therefore my second time. Uh, I, maybe I blacked out and we mentioned this already. Apologies if that was the case, but uh, it should be noted Uncle Boonmi was part of the uh, Slow Cinema series, um, just like a short series that the Trilon put on um, in conjunction with the Moving Image Media and Sound Studies graduate group at the University of Minnesota. Um, so again, slow cinema. This movie feels like a pretty fair pick for for that series. Um, you know, this is uh, this movie, uh, like Harry mentioned in his, his excellent summary, um, this is known for, uh, I guess, being a lot of things and it's well known um, enough at this point over 10 years later. Uh, but it is, uh, among many other things, known for being sort of a, a meditative, quieter experience. Um, I, I like the sort of slower paced deliberate nature of this movie um i only really can recall one moment where i I felt it was maybe quote-unquote dragging um but otherwise you know this is a movie that forces us to sit with like very specific images and uh and feelings and it allows time in between those sort of uh you know individual events to string those images and feelings together and kind of consider them in relation to like mortality and reincarnation and nature and 
uh, many other things. Uh, the film's patience, it also allows, um, I think, a, a, like a lot of visual payoff. This was um, something I kept coming back to while watching it again this time. Um, but, you know, uh, like Jason said, we, we play with a sort of fantastical realism or magical realism, whatever the best way to, to describe that dynamic is. You know, we've got um, various ghosts and spirits, um, alternate planes of existence, question mark. Um, I'm still working through this movie as well. Uh, there are moments that really click in part because we take extra time to build up to those um, to those visuals. Um, and I, I guess I've heard that uh, that sort of payoff, or um, if you want to think of it this way, like I do the sort of punchline, um, that, that feeling, you know, those seem to be important to this director's works. Uh, this director, again, being uh, Apichitpong Wirosethical. Uh, apologies for any mispronunciations. Um, I, I have not seen any of his other movies. Um, that film, Harry mentioned Memoria, uh, it's uh, new this year. I would love to see it. Apparently, it's only going to be playing in theaters, like ever, uh, like never, <laughs> reportedly never gonna uh, stream stream or anything like that. I mean, we'll see what happens, um, but I guess I'll just, you know, or I guess we'll need to keep our eyes peeled for one <laughs> that uh, comes around here so we can snag tickies. Um, I guess the only other thing I wanted to bring up uh, is this movie's vibe, um, which has been brought up and gestured at already by the fellas here. Um, it's a vibe that I like, uh, you know, myself as a viewer, uh, someone watching this movie, there are a lot of things that, well, there's a lot of things in general that I don't know about. Um, but you know, specific to this movie, metatextually, this director's filmography, as well as Thai cinema in general. Um, but I guess more specifically, you know, thinking about the latter stages of life and again, death, reincarnation, those are, um, uh, motifs that thinking back, I don't know if I gravitate toward a lot, um, when I watch movies. Um, and this film has those sort of at the, at the forefront, you know, and it faces its journey. Um, um, this film does in a very like matter of fact way that also doesn't feel like it's talking down to you, um, which I really appreciated the, you know, for example, the way in which, um, you know, the, uh, this, um, that, uh, I guess, uncle, uh, uncle Boonmi, in which he communicates sort of what uh, a monkey ghost is, you know, that whole sequence uh, is done without being funny nor condescending. And that's sort of really impressive. Um, especially the latter half of the film, I got the sense that uh, we're a Seth cool feels like there's too much in the past to, for us to regret and too much in the future for us to fear, um, for us to be like combative with one another, you know, we're communicating sort of downwardly to each other. Uh, I just felt very welcome while watching this, uh, this film or rewatching it, uh, I guess I should say it was really nice. And I uh, truly enjoyed revisiting uncle boon me. Um, but I guess now I should probably hand the mic over to monkey ghost Mackin as we call him around these parts, Harry. You, uh, uh, that was awesome, Cody. Well done. Um, this is also my second time seeing this. I saw it at the Walker, um, when they were playing it. Uh, I don't know. I think in 2019 is when I saw it. Um, it, I really liked it then. I, I think I love it now. Um, I, there's so much to talk about here. It's kind of hard to know where to get started. And also it's, it's kind of a, a movie that is frustrating for my sensibilities because I have a tendency to talk very broadly about a movie and what it's doing. And I think that this is a movie that could be sunk by that because it like, kind of leans into that. Um, I should also bring up that like Cody had mentioned briefly, I know very little about the history of Thailand and uh, Thai politics and history and culture. Um, specifically, I know very little about the 1960s crackdown on communist sympathizers, which is a big subtextual element of this movie, uh, as Boon Mi was a participant in that and at one point alludes to the fact that he thinks his illness stems from bad karma from doing that and um, sort of darkly humorously from killing bugs on the farm. He compares those two things side by side in a very interesting and sort of terrifying way. Um 
But uh, all that is to say, the reason why I think that I'm so frustrated about that is that this is a movie that I uniquely would love to know more about because my um, theory or sort of hypothesis about this movie is that it actually doesn't cling very closely to um, a political history or even a sort of like thematic history, um, if that makes any sense, or I, I mean a cultural sort of thematic, as opposed to, as um, the director himself said, it being a very personal film. I think that this is a movie that's very, very interested in what it's doing formally. I think it's about cinema as much as it's about anything. Um, and I, I think that that the, the point of a lot of the scenes, including a lot of the scenes that Cody brought up, where they're like, they're strikingly sort of mundane and understated and um, and worldly uh, at, in, in order to contrast the magical realism and the sort of spiritual as much as possible, um, and then to sort of interweave those. Um, I think that that and the linearity or lack thereof in this movie and the, the presentation of specific parts of this movie, the way that we receive them and in the order that we receive them are all very important to this movie in a way that they aren't important to a lot of movies to the point where I would like call this almost an alternative narrative type of movie. Like I think that slow cinema is a really, really great um, categorization for it because I think it is fundamentally doing a different thing with the presentation of its narrative that a lot of movies are doing where I think that this movie is really interested in breaking down like the the delimitations between things. It's, uh, if you'll forgive me, uh, it's a very liminal movie, right? Like I think that Boon Mi is in a liminal state between life and death. Even his home is sort of on this like borderline between the spiritual world and the physical world. These characters come into Boon Mi's home and sort of enter this liminal state where they are no longer totally a part of the world. They are now interacting with spirits who become more and more distinct as time goes on. They feel more and more sort of separated from the physical material world. And after that, after their experience with Boon Mi, which culminates in this descent into this womb-like cave, which could be seen as like them fully sort of immaculate or, uh, um, acclimating to a spiritual world or entering a different sort of idea or understanding of existence when Boon Mi does pass away um, in the cave in which he was born, then they, they return to the material world and they bring something with them, right? And I think that's what the last um, scenes of these movies are. And I think that for the record, Jason, I know you brought this up too. This is like maybe my favorite film ending um ever or it's up there it's so strange and it, it was like it's very very affecting to me which um that's something else we should talk about is that i think that um there's something that lives in this movie uh just in terms of the filmmaking the way that i think it's like some of my favorite jungle photography ever the way that he is able to layer leaves and um underbrush and um vines and um trunks along with uh, people within an environment is so strikingly layered and beautiful and um, like profound looking. And there are so many scenes that linger the way that Cody mentioned and that lingering, it feels like it's both not um, sort of a literal one-to-one metaphor for anything. Like I I really don't think that this is a, um, an allegory. Um, I I think that for instance, scenes like the, um, the catfish scene, I, 
I don't think it would be, at least in my reading of the movie, particularly profitable to sort of assign a one-to-one meaning to that, to say like, ah, this is what he is meaning by having this catfish interlude, right? I think it's much more about breaking down the distinction between lives at the end. And I think that this like, there's something about all of that, about everything that he's doing here with slow cinema and with um, the way that the movie's narrative operates that all culminates in this very different understanding of time and life and who we are to one another um, that you, that I ended up coming away from this film with. And I think that the ending really makes it sell, but like, I think that that's what I mean when I say that this is like a very um, unusual and profound movie in that I feel like it's trying to get you to having a different understanding of human lives and um, human time by the end of it. Um, and I think that that is its, its goal more than telling a conventional narrative even, but I'm, I'm really interested in what you all have to think about that. Yeah. I really like that characterization of, you know, like rather than follow along with a story and, you know, uh, like put together the pieces of it, it's more like consider your state before you've seen the movie, consider your state after you've seen the movie. And that is sort of like, why I think this movie is going to go down smooth over the next few months is because I'm going to have time to sort of digest it, not necessarily with the intent of coming out with anything or like feeling differently at the end of it, but just maybe being able with some distance to see the the different pieces of it in different like layers of focus, I guess. Like, yeah. And just from my experience, I can say that I haven't stopped thinking about this movie since I saw it. So I think it's right. totally a movie like that. I I think that's it's going to benefit a lot from that. Um, what you said about jungle photography and sort of the layering uh, of scenes as they come together is really uh, just striking a chord with me for one scene in particular near the end when they're entering the cave where Boonmi was born and would eventually die. Um, there is a shot where we're seeing from within the cave, we're seeing, um, you know, the three of them walking toward the cave mouth and, uh, you know, just like a really strange, striking, beautiful framing of the cave mouth of like the different shapes that make it up. And it's shadowed. Of course, it's only light outside uh, near the end of the day. And then only once characters have come all the way in, like just from the vanishing point to the center of the frame and beyond uh, the frame does not move at all. It's like they're moving in parallel with the, with your line of sight. Only once everybody has left the frame does, I believe it's tongue is holding the flashlight, turns around and it illuminates the inside of the cave. And then from there, we get a, a lot of motion and handheld camera sort of pointing at the stalagmites and stalactites and some of the, you know, albino fish sort of floating around in this uh, lightless cave. That is like a really strong example of, I, I don't even know, I don't know if I even have the vocabulary to describe how that, I guess, makes me feel or think differently about that scene. But it just had such a profound effect on like, I envisioned and felt that space much, much differently between when I started that shot and when I finished that shot. Um, just the way that it that it moved without moving, I think, must be like the slow cinema concept, right? It, the way that the story manages to move, the way that the visuals manage to push themselves without like easily identifiable a moment of blank happening. Um, and that's just like, I might, I'm going to sound like a child, but it's just, a, it's a new, like sort of very interesting concept to me that, um, that there is uh, not like a point of action to focus on, but just a concept, like bef- consider what you were, what you thought about this before you saw it and consider how you felt or how you think about it after you've seen it. Um, like comparing two States rather than watching each individual piece move. Uh, I, I really went off a tangent there and I forget who had the hand up first. Cody did. Uh, that was awesome. Jason. Yeah, that was excellent. And I, 
you know, it, as we were going through, and I'm, I'm sure we'll do throughout the, like the rest of this conversation, like are articulating exactly what happens in a scene and like saying very like um, specifically and textually, like this is what happened. This was the shot. This was like the technique that was used. And like, it, it gets back to what you were talking about, Harry, like more than anything else, um, like uh, from watching the film and from hearing uh, the director's comments about the film, like it seems very clear that this movie, if any, if anything is about um, like, cinema and and form it's like very concerned with with these things and uh not necessarily intending to be like this is you know this symbolizes this this is an allegory for this like it like this this feels like uh, a glimpse into one person's uh like memories or set of experiences um without necessarily like tethering them to anything else other than like um the world that they're in and like the world that we're watching which is like very i don't want to say refreshing but like uh like i don't it feels it just it just feels really good and i think one of the scenes that i'm thinking about now that i maybe not that i didn't think about it when i was watching but the the catfish scene um but just like i think that plays into like some of the things that i'm thinking about now that that we're talking about um this movie being so concerned with form um the idea of it uh doing more with less there are a few instances that i'm i'm sure we'll talk about excuse me but like the the filming of that sequence and just like creating the illusion of there being a talking catfish it's very like like uh, like old uh, i don't like old-fashioned not in a bad way right but just like tried and true techniques of, of like we're filming this from a distance so we can get away with you know we don't need to have an up close like cgi catfish you know like that 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 uh you know modern um studios might try but it's you know, it's very very practical looking it's from a distance it's like minimal movement but it's enough to like create the the magic of of that thing being there there's off-screen um sort of like uh, like narration um and just like all of that like um uh, to I, I think more to jason's point than anything there's a certain timelessness um that like that sort of evokes um but yeah I, and we see other, like i said we see other instance, instances of that as well but uh, with um with regards to the like that scene not necessarily being quote-unquote about something like harry was talking about uh i totally uh, uh, agree again it, like this being uh, i guess this specific scene rather like my sort of reading of it is you know we we spend time in uh in the woods and, and like you know mostly it's just you know, there's a i guess sort of sequences at the beginning at the end and you know this this tale of um with the the princess and her her sort of uh underling i'm fishing for words that aren't coming for me a fishing uh oh my god jason's hey. fishing in the chat wow the wordplay it's off hey. the chain um uh but just like it it just <laughs> you know it's it's a, a an event it's an it's an example rather you know we're gesturing at the sort of the the lives that that have taken place before us we're we're gesturing at uh, the memories and and like everything that like came place before us in these same spaces um even mm-hmm. if we don't inhabit those space like we're we're simply traipsing through the woods by the end of the movie we're not necessarily like living in them so like to get an opportunity to just like sit in this very dense rich space and see sort of you know what um uncle boon might be dreaming about um with regards to like one of his past lives or one of any of our past lives like that could like the idea is that could be anybody's i i think is maybe 
a thing to take from it. Um, but it's like, it, yeah, it's like, like the potential for what can happen, not just in that space, but in that space, but what can happen on like to bring it back to form to like things that can happen on film in general. And it's sort of like, you know, a, a very strong and valid and true argument for like, um, like using form in that way. I don't know. Yeah, no, I think you said a lot that I really want to comment on here, which is, first of all, like, um, Therasa Thakul, or Wirasa Thakul, excuse me, um, has, like, explicitly talked about how this is a movie where he tried to incorporate different and, you know, often times uh, old-fashioned styles, right? He said, and this is directly from the Wikipedia, but this is a film uh, primarily about objects and people that transform or hybridize. A central theme is the transformation and possible extinction of cinema itself. The film consists of six reels, each shot in a different cinematic style. The styles include, by the words of the director, old cinema with stiff acting and classical staging, documentary style, costume drama, and my kind of film where you see long takes of animals and people driving. So, like, that was extremely intentional on his part right to capture these different sort of staging and methodologies of film and to sort of recreate a sort of miniature history of film itself within this movie and that gets at the other thing i wanted to talk about which is maybe a little bit head ass but you know i'm as you mentioned in that one clip jason i am that guy so like you think about what film actually is right and how film is is comprised of juxtaposition and i mean that in the academic sense where it's like you see uh image a and you see image b and the idea is that the passage from image a to image b suggests something that forms uh a narrative and gets you to understand image b differently than you would have because it was preceded by image a and you get to see even image a differently because it was uh because it was followed by image b right like your understanding of the passage of things of images in front of you changes and transforms and hybridizes your understanding of the whole and its individual elements and that is literally true on film in a way that is not true in digital because film is literally a series of still images that are moving forward through time, right? And you get to the end of this movie where they're having still images being shot of um, civilians or maybe soldiers and gorillas uh, or monsters in um, Thailand uh, over Boon Mi's dying monologue. And he's talking about how in the future lights will be shown on these people and when the light hits them they will lose their pasts and they will only have futures it's like a, very clearly it, it's about history right it's about it's about ghosts this is a movie about ghosts and in sort of um the director's opinion ghosts are just everything that preceded right everything and everyone because just like juxtaposition in film moving forward it, your understanding of what follows is transformed by everything that preceded it, right? And your understanding of what preceded it is transformed by the future. So uh, I really like something that you said, Cody, just now about how like the idea is that these these um, flashbacks or flash forwards or who knows what they are, right? Um, they could be anybody's lives because textually there is one mention of Boon Mi recalling his past lives, right? If if this movie wasn't called Uncle Boon Mi who can recall his past lives, I would argue that we would not know that that was an ability that he possesses, right? And textually in the movie, maybe he doesn't. He mentions at one point when he's in the cave, 
that he remembers being born here in a life he doesn't remember, which along with the sort of context of the movie's actual title implies that perhaps he can remember other lives, right? But that's it. That's all we get. So like we as audience members sort of surmise that, for instance, the catfish scene is one of Boon Mi's previous lives. That may or may not be true, right? What's important about that scene is that it happened where it happened within the film and it modifies and comments upon everything that follows in the film, right? We see the movie, the rest of the movie differently because we received the information that we received at that point in the movie. And that's a, that's something that the movie itself is so, so interested in, right? And it's it's equating that to an idea of past lives and to an idea of ghosts. I mean, maybe the, the best line in this movie maybe is when... Um, Boonmi is talking to his deceased wife as a spirit, and she tells him, heaven is overrated, uh, there's nothing there. Ghosts attach themselves to people, not to places, right? And this movie haunts you in the exact same way that she's talking about, and it does it almost formally, right? Where like, there are so many scenes where the scene will end and then the camera will just linger in a room for maybe up to like 30 seconds. I'm thinking of a couple specific scenes. There's one uh, where you can actually see Boon Mi's deceased wife in a sort of shrine built to her after um, the two uh, sort of POV characters leave the room and we just sit in that scene. Um, and then there's, of course, the ending where uh, two characters sort of leave their bodies behind and continue um, at the same time and sort of inhabit two different existences at once. Um, and, and they react to that. But there's also scenes like that long take at the dinner table where they're just talking to one another like a family. Or when uh, Boon Mi is walking around his estate and talking to his sister-in-law. And that's such a long scene. And you live in this place, right? It's like you said, Cody, it's like, this is a, it's a place that feels so familiar by the end because it's like a place that you had been inhabiting. And it's like the, the best way I can describe it is that those images are haunting you. Right. And I think that the point, if, you know, and insofar as I, my ignorant opinion, I, I think that the point is that it's literally true that those images haunt you because you take those images forward with you through the rest of the movie and they characterize and inform everything else that you perceive going forward. And so your life is shaped and touched by those experiences just the same way that life itself is characterized by juxtaposition, right? And I think that there's like a really fascinating breakdown of what a human life is and what we sort of become to one another, the way that we transform and blend and hybridize one another, right? Because it's like it, it's like this this movie depicts like everyone touches everyone, everyone is changed by everyone, um fundamentally, right? And and it's um yeah, I, I think that there's just something there's something in the form of this movie that's suggesting that in a way that is that is really powerful to me. Uh yeah, I, I, I wanna roll back to um, specifically your mention of, there was a lot there. So the mention of um, uh, it, moving from image A to image B and what that movement implies and like how it gets you to think sort of toward what's coming and back at what's already happened. It's ringing a lot with what I, uh, what I, what I felt about like the movie as a whole. And that's like, I'm thinking of it from like very, I guess to stratify my thoughts a little bit, very macro level. The movie is like, you know, state A, state B, and what came between like your experience watching that film is two different states. Right. And then scene level is like, you're saying that scene with uh Boon Mi and Hawaii where um, they sort of talk about uh, you know, what, what comes after that's really the only time that this movie gets, you know, it's another point I want to bring up. It's the only time that this movie gets um, 
I guess maybe a little bit sentimental about what's coming in, in the future or maybe like hesitant or worried is like they express that to one another. And of course she says, you know, heaven isn't all it's cracked up to be sort of thing. Um, and then on a very micro level, like that scene also the, where you were, that you were mentioning where, um, there are, uh, excuse me, um, Thai soldiers and they have, uh, uh, it's just still photos, uh, over overlaid by, um, Bunmi's dying monologue. Uh, those like images, they're held for maybe four to five seconds a piece, maybe more. Uh, they start with just soldiers and sort of, I mean, here's just the example of my thoughts process while watching the movie soldiers sort of laying, standing in a field. Uh, I think, oh, this is going to lead into some form of war photography or, you know, clashes between uh, the communist, uh, uh, insurgency that was mentioned and the, you know, uh, soldiers of the state. Uh, and then we get the introduction of, uh, you know, a very similar, maybe not the same, but very similar uh, creature, the monkey spirit um, that is lashed by, uh, by, you know, a basic leash, a rope leash by one of the soldiers standing in a field. And it's that sort of experience is, um, okay, now I think differently about what I was seeing just a second ago, where these soldiers are standing in a field, sort of, are they still in Thailand? Are they still in the real world? That kind of thing. Uh, and then the next, and you assume or excuse me, I assumed the next uh, understanding was going to be that these soldiers had kept this creature in captivity of some kind and that they were, you know, abusing it or maybe what I, I'm, I was trying to prescribe a lot to this is what I'm getting to our, is yes, like, I was that's trying to a really great point, a meaning to that and like a textual purpose to those images. And then literally the next image is the monkey broing down with all the soldiers, like arms around shoulders, just like in sort of a family portrait pose. And it just, that whole sequence, I, I hesitate to call things like a total psychedelic yes. freak out or like, you know, bong hit type scene or whatever, because I, I think that that robs it of a lot of its intention by the filmmaker, but holy shit, like my experience watching that was unlike anything I've ever experienced in a movie because it made me think, oh, I've just seen like one thing represented three ways that made me think a myriad different ways and feel a myriad different ways about it just by forcing me to view still images with, you know, juxtaposed by a very, uh, you know, sort of introspective monologue on top. Um, and I guess like, that's just the three stages of this movie of the, my, like my thought process around this movie is like, how did the overall experience affect me? How did I feel over the course of it, how did I feel within the microcosm of a scene? How did I feel within the micro microcosm of the images within that scene? You know, it's, it's a really, really brilliant, bizarre experience. Uh, agreed. Uh, great stuff, Jason. I had something I was going to say to respond to Harry's point and then I, which I still do. And then you came in and said something that incidentally, oh, no. like, I, no, like, uh, uh, au contraire, um, mon ami, but like it unlocked a little something. And I think, like we'll hopefully ramp up to something even better if I communicate it effectively. But um, Harry, to what you were saying, um, the the sort of, I guess the the significance of like what comes before, what comes after. You know, the the uh, necessity to like be mindful and to like be cognizant of ghosts and like look look back on them um, and like ha have that having that as like an underlying um, motif. The um, the haunting images, the the spaces we've occupied and been before. Uh, one sort of jarring image, um, jarring is maybe a strong word, but like the the detail that stood out to me, maybe the most. Um, and, and going back to that brilliant dinner sequence by the way um uh but the 
you know, we, we get the, um, the ghost of, uh, uncle Boonmi's wife. We get his, um, his son in the form of monkey ghost. And when everybody's all together, like the first thing that they do, I mean, it, it, it like, it feels very, again, in this way as well, like very close to home, but like the first thing they do is bust out the photo albums, right? Just like the, the fact, yes, yes. The, fa- the, fa- the fact that like, despite everything, you know, and granted, you know, okay, yeah, we're treating everything we're seeing here is very like, it's worth being very frank and matter of fact about it. Sure. But like going further to, to, I I don't know, do what any, like what any other family would do when they like reconvene after so many years is just like to get caught up, to look at pictures, to, you know, for the people that were there, it's a chance for them to, um, you know, like uh, remember for themselves. um, And then for those, uh, for those of uh, the people in this scene who weren't uh, like at the, like they're learning about these things for the first time. It's just like this idea that learning about what happened to us makes all of us stronger, not just as like a family in this case, but also just as individual like souls that exist, right? And the, uh, and like thinking about the end where it is just like the, those images come through as photographs. Again, it, it, you could think of it as like sort of a book ending if it's not too much of a stretch to think about, but like this uh, like idea uh, again of like knowing what we like what had happened and who we were like that's that's important to us like for us like we we need to be mindful of that all the time but like if there's you know knowing it's also important to know like what we what we might become uh and the the images sort of gesture at that just be because everything can like we we can still affect it um uh, like the the way that we think about memories and things that have happened, like the way we interpret those things now, it, like it sort of, you know, it, it inadvertently, it changes those things, you know, again, it, for, for our memories, for ourselves forever. Um, right. Like that's like, those things can still be affected just as like the things that we might become can still be affected. Like it, it might be a situation, like we may not be able to, to bro out with soldiers as monkey ghosts, but like, I don't like, I don't know, but like that can, that can still change. Right. Like that's, I don't know like that's, I, I don't know if I have like a, a point beyond just like further illustrating um, what you, what you brought up, but that just, man, that, that really sings for me now. I, I guess the, the photo albums and, and photographs and memories and ghosts all seem like very more uh, like way more important and interconnected than even I first realized. Dude, I completely forgot about the photo album. And and like now that you've said that, that's like everything. <laughs> it's like this is a movie about photography, right? I mean, like what is what happens to Boonmi's son is that he photographs a monkey ghost and he becomes obsessed with the monkey ghost in the photo that he captured and ultimately goes on a journey to find it because he saw it within that photo, right? Oh yeah, in yeah. That, and 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 if I can just say like yeah, please. adding adding one more piece he gets into photography because his dead mother was into photography. Right. Yep. Right. And when they all, when they all appear at the dinner table, they're all at a, at a great distance from one another. Right. Like they, they've been far away. Uh, his, his mother is, is very indistinct and spirit. Like he is this monkey that they uh, don't recognize at first until he hears his voice. They sit down with the photo album to sort of literally reconstitute themselves. And as they look, Boon Mi's wife fills in, she literally becomes more distinct. So like, these are people who are, are explicitly remembering things in order to remember who they are in order to put themselves back together, right? And uh, to get at your sort of close reading, Jason, which I think that that was just a really great breakdown, like formal breakdown of what this movie is doing because of what you said about how much you brought to each of those images, right? And 
in so many ways, as you pointed out, like you were trained to to bring the things that you did. I mean, I think that the jarring juxtaposition of having the uh, the monkey bro down with the soldiers, we were trained to find that surprising because they mentioned the communist massacres earlier. And because this is a, this is a Thai movie, right? It's like um, the, the director said that he didn't set out to make a political film, but he is very much operating in the space of like the personal is political, right? Like how do you make a film about Thailand and with Thai characters without Thai history becoming something that you're reading into every frame. And like you had just said, that absolutely comes with you in this movie. But Mm -hmm. As you continue to experience, you're bringing more. Like every frame tacks on a ghost, right? That comes with you. So that the by the end of this movie, we are like, and and the movie is it operates in a way that it wants you to do that, right? You're you're like a detective in this movie trying to figure out like who is Boon Me, like what is happening to him, what is happening in this movie. And as time passes, we are given more and more context with which to sort of both surmise and be brilliantly wrong, right? <laughs> like like you had said, it's like, and for, for these things to just present complete left turns that we didn't know anything about, and then this new context radically transforms everything that follows. Um, and uh, it, it's like you said, um, Cody, with like um, the way that this movie is, is particularly about still images right because that is literally again what what film is right is the the illusion of movement um and i I think that that's where it's going with its sort of um its views on time and on lives themselves right is that you sort of like enter this liminal space with boon me where as his life ends he sort of begins to perceive it in a fundamentally different way because of the context that its ending gives him, right? Where he starts to see his past lives or he starts to sort of see the full arc or narrative of his life. And it gives him this insight on who he was and who he is and who he will continue to be. Um, And I really feel like that is the journey that our understanding of this movie is sort of formally taking us on as well. So we have sort of a parallel journey in understanding ourselves and our lives that Boon Me goes on. Um, and we experience it through film as he experiences it through this sort of like replay. In fact, I think that there's even the suggestion that his sort of replay and recalling of his past lives and our viewing of this film are in effect, not so different, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. I was, I was literally about to say like what you said about, how every frame like symbolically tacks on a ghost of, of of sorts. Like we all have the power to recall our past lives because we have a new one of them with each scene we see, right. And with each, with each uh, like photo that we are confronted with, which each with each um, like understanding we have to reconcile about how we like in a larger sense, who we were before we saw that scene, what we thought, what we brought to that scene to understand it and how it either upended or played into that understanding. Like that is, uh, you know, in, in ways that is a version of the self that is, uh, you know, a past life that is like, I'm literally in just like making my point about that, uh, soldiers and, and monkey scene. I was describing how I felt who I like in a way who I was before watching that scene and while watching that scene and how I was trying to reconcile the mindset I had about that was like, I I had to, I had to reflect on that for that moment. Right. I had to consider who I was and, and like the, the life I was in at that moment. And that's like maybe super head ass, but I feel like it really jives with where we're at in the discussion right now. 
No, that's great. And like also in particular, the way that you pointed out that you were wrong, like you said, right? That that your understanding mm-hmm. was illusionary, as you just pointed out, Cody. Um, there's even that catfish scene, right? Where she sees her reflection and that is an illusion and it's an illusion generated by the catfish. But like mm-hmm. the way that the self is not just a matter of um, taking what you've learned and moving forward, but it is a constant conscious reconstitution, yes. right? Of of the processing of information changing, where you are constantly reflecting on and looking back on your past lives, as you put it, and not not just saying like, okay, who I am now is informed by that, but it's also what I know now informs who I was then, which changes both of those things and everything in between, right? Like every piece of new information fundamentally upsets all pieces of information uh, simultaneously, and especially when those that information is coming from other people, right? Because that that lends an entire other new nuance to it of another life intersecting with yours, and you can see how, in in the face of all of that, death itself sort of becomes this this new metaphor of like we were both more and less than we thought we were, and therefore death itself is not exactly what we thought it was but there's an there's an interesting tension to that right because i don't think a really great thing that this movie does is that boon me at at no point sort of becomes a transcendent being right i he dies afraid and he dies a man right and i i think that he he dies fearful for the future and lamenting the future and i think that even the purpose of the last 20 minutes is even to show that he was wrong Right, that that his fear was not necessarily founded in the way that he thought it was because of his influence, which maybe he couldn't see. Right, and so there's a really brilliant and, and wonderful exchange there where there's some, there's a lot of what we've been talking about, right, with the big broad transcendence of um, the self transcending time and transcending space and transcending the other, but all of those things do not preclude the singularity of our experience. Right? It's like Boon Me could recall all of his past lives. And by the time of his death was not a person situated in time in the way that we are exactly, right? He never ceased to be Boon Me. He never ceased to be a man who had misgivings about his previous life, who uh, wished that he had done some things differently, and who was worried about his family and about the future of his home and people, right? It's like there, it's both of those things at once. And there's something so remarkably human and so um, warm about that. And it lends to this like this really genuinely affecting and earned optimism that I feel from the ending, even though this is like almost an apocalyptic movie, in my opinion, right? It's it's hmm. like I've o- I've always thought of it as like um it's like it feels more like a movie set in 2021 than most movies set in 2021 because it's about the end of things, right? It's like it's about how being at the end of a long journey it changes everything about what you understood and sort of gives you this new understanding. Um, but in in doing that, in that sort of very somber, reflective um, state, it, it creates this, this great optimism about the future that really feels like a truer optimism to me than like almost any other experience I've I've had with with um, non-pessimistic outlooks of the future, right? And I think that's maybe I'm coming around to why I cherish this movie so much is because like it makes me feel warm about the possibility of some sort of continuity of existence uh, past me in a way that like very, very few things legitimately do. Yeah. And only in uh, 
only in retrospect, only in discussing it um, with people who felt a lot of the same things that I just didn't have words for. Like it is, it becomes clear that the ambiguity, excuse me, the ambiguity of each in, in like from the very beginning of the movie, like anything that you read online about this movie is like, there are many different interpretations about what lives Bunmi is said to have lived. Like the very beginning of this movie, um, with the ox that breaks free from its leash and is, you know, corralled by one of the villagers. Um, like there's nothing that indicates anywhere who or what Bunmi was supposed to have been embodying in that scene. Right. Um, It's so good. Or in any of these, in the catfish scene, there's literally no indication of who, like, or if that it was even supposed to have been one of his lives. We were already talked about how it was very uh, ambiguous as it goes, but like, you don't get to these 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 levels under of understanding. You don't get to um sort of this this mood that, that we've all described. This sort of like comfort. This sort of um uh you know. I, I hesitate, I guess, even to call it comfort because it's not an easy, it's not a, like a, a solid understanding of things, but just like a, a letting go, I guess, a, um, a, a, a satisfaction. If you understand that like, oh, Bunmi, uh, his motivations, his understanding of his life and the way that he's lived and the reason that he's dying can be attributed in part to this time when he was a catfish god that had sex with a princess who no longer felt she was deserving of love, right? Like even I'm, I'm describing kind of like my own perception of that scene going in where I was still hanging on to this idea that Bunmi must be central to this somehow. And when he's not, when they spread that milieu around a little bit, when they make it a little bit less clear, you get to this wider lens understanding of the movie itself, I guess. Uh, Harry, I was maybe going to pivot slightly. So if you wanted to jump in on that, I think you should. Oh, I would just say like, I don't want to play armchair director and everything. Right. But I, I genuinely believe too, that I bet that, um, that the, that the director, um, Wirasa Thakul has been asked like, who, who was Boon Me in the, in these scenes and flashbacks. And I bet he, he answered something like, what are you talking about? Right. It's like, <laughs> what do you mean? Like Boon, Boon Me was as much the catfish in that woman and the, uh, servant as you were, uh, as we were. Right. It's like that, that is exactly the point. Right. Jason is that like, th- there is this, like this, this transcendent breakdown of what it even means to be, a person when you come to perceive the way that things work this way mm-hmm. um it becomes something very different and very it becomes sort of um meaningless those distinctions because uh they are illusionary in the in the truest sense it's like it it's a matter of subjective experience but it's not a matter of um objectivity in the slightest right it's just because you happen to be occupying this point of view at this moment doesn't mean anything for what you actually are right (laughs) exactly uh to your point jason uh and harry about just like (laughs) people online uh people in the world this is this comes close and i had to look this up to double check i thought this hit um in a bad way in my sort of canon of like movies that you look at letterbox reviews for and go oh jesus christ um this was not not so much the case. You get a few like, what the fuck was that catfish scene? Uh, like, but the, that's not like the crux of what people are, um, you know, I'm, taking I'm away from this. I'm surprised that that's not like the only thing people talk about, I guess. 
Right. A very, truly a very pleasant surprise. Don't get me wrong. Yes. But that's, yeah, I wanted to, I was, I was going to go in guns a blazing, but I had to, you know, putting them back in in the holster. Um, People on the box are a little bit better about that. Uh, I I guess one thing that I wanted to be sure we, we at least touched on a little bit. And I I think um, our, our sort of reading of of this and our discussion up to now makes me feel more confident. um, Confidence is the wrong word, but just like, I, I feel even better about it than I already did, but just um, like speaking to the the sort of final beat or, or beat and a half of this movie, um, which just like quickly summarizing the points, um, taking this from Wikipedia because uh, I don't want to risk my words failing me, but after Boomi's funeral, um, Jen is organizing um, sort of like post-funeral, you know, like gifts uh, with her friend Rune, uh, Rune, uh, excuse me, I'm maybe botch that. Sorry. Uh, uh, Tong, who's now a monk arrives, um, takes a shower, changes into, um, uh, street clothes and, uh, you know, like t-shirt and jeans. And he's uh, going out to eat with Jen and he turns towards the TV that they're all watching from this, um, uh, like um, hotel bed or, or something. And, uh, Jen and Rung are on the bed. Uh, I believe with Tong as well, watching television, um, sort of like a frozen image or, or, you know, like, um, duplicated image in time. And then they go to the restaurant and then the movie ends. Um, especially just bringing back the idea of ghosts. Like, I, I think we can, I don't know. There are a few different ways that I like thinking about that. I, I guess, sequence simultaneously and definitely either of you let me know if I'm sort of off base, but just like the, like between the pieces of ourselves that we sort of leave everywhere and um, like, uh, uh, like the idea of every instance of us being a different version or iteration, every, um, you know, moment we live being like a, a ghost image of like, uh, of who we were. And now like after um, that moment passes, we're somebody different. Like I, I think it, getting a glimpse of that, um, like very, um, literally visually, um, I I don't know, like that, that makes even more sense in retrospect now, but like also like going back to the, the nature of form and and filmmaking, like it is like through the, the magic of like, uh, of filming and editing and, um, like, I don't know, blocking set decoration, like everything, like it, it, like this is, it's just another like capability that we have or not we have, but just like that film filmmakers have to communicate like to to land that kind of a blow even if it doesn't mean a, a whole lot even if it is just like it, it does feel like a punchline but like in in that latter case just like a punchline of like you know it, you didn't think you were going to feel this way or like you didn't think you were going to see this and like that's that's important um like the the fact that we can see that ghost at all is like important it's uh, I don't know. It plays into maybe some of the bigger points of this movie, but yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know if that's something where like everybody takes away something different. Those are sort of the things that line with me. And I think they, they, they play pretty well into what we've been talking about up to this point. Yeah. I I'm glad we're talking about that because like I said, at the beginning of this episode, I think specifically um, Jen and wrong their interactions with one another and then leaving the hotel room at the end and seeing the ghosts, that whole, like 20 minutes or sequence or something is like maybe some of my favorite filmmaking ever. Right. Like it's, it's really, really amazing. And it's like, um, I, I took away a lot of what you took away too. And it, it's just like, to me, it sort of represented this almost, and this is too pejorative a term, but it, it's a kind of refutation of Boon me. And by extension, the director himself's fears, right? Like I think we, uh, we were asked the cool, um, 
he had said that this is a lamentation about the end of film, right? And there's that whole monologue that Boon Mi gives right before he dies, where Boon Mi's subjective experience is now ending, and maybe for the last time, right? Like it's it's implied maybe he resurrects, maybe he doesn't, right? Maybe he has sort of reached this um like karmic cycle end, right? Where he is uh not going to be reincarnated into um uh, another life or something along those lines, right? And he's, af- he's afraid. And he says that, I think specifically the thing he's afraid of is that because he is departing the world of sort of remembrance, right? In, in the way that a filmmaker is no longer shooting in film, he is afraid that the future that he fears is going to come to pass where um, there is this destruction of the ghost, right? There is a destruction of the past and of the reconstitution of the self, which Really, when you think about how we are constantly reevaluating based on information we receive from other people is an interconnectedness with other people, right? Is that the the thing that gets us to re-examine our lives, the juxtaposition from image B, AA to image B, is not just our subjective experience. It's how that subjective experience is informed by other people. And so really, we are changing one another and transmogrifying into one another, right? That's kind of the idea. Boon Mi will no longer experience that. He is fearful that that means it will no longer happen, right? I really think that that's kind of what he's getting at with the end of this movie and the future that he's saying is that like we are entering a new era of the world where people are fundamentally isolated from one another. I even think that perhaps the um, the television screen itself is emblematic of that fear. And the end of this movie is all about how that is not actually true, in my opinion, right? I think that like it's, it's very, very important that Jen is the person who pulls... Um, the the monk from his sort of stupor at seeing the ghosts she is not at all surprised to see those ghosts right she just sort of they stand up he is surprised and sort of taken aback to see them still sitting there on the couch she is the person or on the bed excuse me she is the person who pulls him out and says let's go let's eat and then we get to see them go eat and at the uh, restaurant even though they're still back there right it's it's like this idea that don't like it's it's almost the the director reminding himself as much as anything else like don't worry people are not going to stop being people we're not going to stop being interconnected and in that way boon me is not gone right because the experience that he had with jen even though jen says out of nowhere by the way in the last scene that she didn't even know him that well which i think is is a wild thing to mm-hmm. say but what uh that was very interesting to me um she had been affected in such a way that now when she has these experiences when the spiritual follows her back to the material and she can see it it is not something that sends her into this sort of stupor. It is something that informs her behavior going forward for the positive, right? She is able to not only pull herself out of it, she is able to bring other people with her and sort of continue the sort of almost meta-spiritual work that Boon Mi was maybe doing, right? And I think that there's something about that that's like, especially when you consider like how like we are living in end times, right? And we are sort of like at the sort of, end of a lot of things and the fact that we're at the end of a lot of things is reconditioning the way that we're thinking about the world and the history of sort of mankind right and i'm not trying to get i promise i'm not trying to get super head ass here but it's like you know when you when you consider that like there is maybe what 200 years of human civilization left when you consider 
climate change. You are very uh, optimistic. Very optimistically, right? That's uh, it. It really like brings home how like the history of of humanity is culminating, uh, and that that changes a lot of what we think about when we think about mankind and sort of the trajectory of our narrative. And so, like in in the face of that apocalyptic understanding of what people are it there's something so like like beautifully preserving and um optimistic about the idea that it will continue right that like we will continue to have this um ability to learn and grow and transform that we give each other all the time um and it's like it's it's um it reminds me a lot of outer wilds <laughs> that's the last thing i'm going to say because i've reached the apex of my on oneness now but in the sense that it's like it there's something that is like so preserving about it in in a really beautiful way that makes me very emotional obviously well i personally am very excited to figure out how i'm learning and transforming as a result of recording this episode with you two uh are there any final thoughts um, that we should <laughs> that we should pull out about the movie? Uh, well, I guess I should ask: yeah. Are there any any other like actual discussion points before we get to final thoughts? Well, I guess on the note of like learning and transforming and all that, what is Outer Wilds? Maybe I missed that. That's a video game reference, Cody. Gotcha. Thank you. All right. Uh, it is a, no further questions. Need a video game. Uh, okay. Well, I will. Um, I will take my timestamp and make sure that we get to final thoughts here. Uh, I I just want to point out. Um, we we sort of slant touched on the whole uh magical realism angle uh, like how it's very essential how it's like creating that ambiguous space of existence is um very very intentional and very purposeful and very necessary for understanding this movie but i really also like the very nitty-gritties of what the director uh we the cool does to um to like exemplify to portray that on screen there's there's one moment i'm remembering and it's right after they've met boon song after he walks into the uh after he walks upstairs and sort of joins dinner with um with boon me and and the rest of the crew uh and he sits down and you just see he's got blood red eyes but like a mostly human face under that just very like national inquirer uh wolf boy looking kind of character but um there's a moment where uh they're looking through those photo books that uh that cody brought up and and they're like leaping through them and everybody is sort of like reminiscing and catching up and he says i can't see well in this light <laughs> and it's like what a what a what a detail to have put in such a like a strange convoluted scenario <laughs> is that is that the boy who who grew up a uh, you know, a, a monkey spirit after having mated with one in the jungle and like only, uh, you know, moves at night, of course he wouldn't be able to see in, in, you know, in uh, high light scenarios and high exposure areas. Uh, so they turn off the lights and they bring out like a lantern for the rest of them to keep looking at the books from. And it's just like one of those, I don't know, in, in, in retrospect, it's very saccharine. It's like very, you know, kind of like a sweetly, um, you know, necessarily, uh, I don't know, it, it's a beautiful little moment in, in while you're watching, but uh, like in retrospect, it also is uh, really feeding that concept of there are two worlds here, but we're being exposed to them as one. Just go with it, you know. Uh, I really loved that little tiny moment. Oh man, yeah, three three things, I guess. One, um, it's a very tender movie, right? Despite being um, almost like amoral in the sense that it really is is deeply unconcerned with judgment right especially like the nature of boomy's former crimes as horrendous as they may have been and as he continues to capitalize on sort of what is 
very clearly in in unequal and pretty unjust sort of caste system um where his his uh farm is um staffed by immigrants from uh Laos and uh they're looked down upon by his family right but um he himself is very tender towards those people and you get the sense that this is maybe a di- like a different thing that this is maybe something he's come to at the end of his life so i really love that as sort of a another through line or sort of motif is this sort of um, movement towards tolerance as you sort of gain wisdom and experience at the end of your life. Right. Um, That is uh, also to say um, it's, it's, I'm really glad you brought up the design of the, the monkey spirit because that is itself also a reference to um, like classic Thai cinema. Uh, The, the director has even said like uh, the, the glowing red eyes were uh, a product of how um, they had low production values for like um, special effects. And so they would always shadow their monsters and stuff, but they still needed to be able to see the monsters. So they would always have them have glowing red eyes. And like, what a, what a perfect metaphor for like how he was affected by the way that that made him feel as a child watching those movies. And then he inserted that into the movie. And now like that is recontextualized both the, the monsters that are in this movie and those monsters back then, like now they mean something different too. Um, That's awesome. And then finally, just to be very, uh, myself um a lot of great insect sounds in this movie huh like i okay, i'm very okay. deeply soothed by um like the the sounds of the cicadas and in everything that that are constantly playing through this movie and i think it, it grants a really great uh beautiful effect to this my gay harry likes a good bug sound uh yeah. cody any any final um any final thoughts uh nope i had a pretty good uh outer wilds quip up top otherwise uh no uh incredible film everybody should watch it it's not uh, i mean not to horn in on jason's outro it's not playing at the the trial on we're sort of past the point when this film was playing um but it is like rentable uh like it is findable in the world unlike memoria which apparently um will only be found on its hard drive or its reels or however it's being shipped uh theater to theater but um uncle boon me uh, a must watch imo uncle boon me more like uncle boon you uh, boon to us all. Uh, yes, indeed. Watch it wherever you can. It is a wonderful movie. Um, don't be off put by any of the strangeness that you might hear about it or even any of the, uh, like not negative, but just bad or low minded reviews about it. It is incredibly watchable and very, very, very worth it. Uh, and I believe we've now got to step into our own little parallel world, uh, with help from Harry. Yes, it's time for the final stage oh. of this. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> I, was, uh, I was early. I'll let you do it, huh? It's time Man, for a little, a little <gasps> hezzy stutter step over here. Cody's. Cody's. Yeah, I stepped all over that, didn't I? Apologies. Uh, wow. Well, regardless, thank you, gentlemen. Maybe we'll fix that in post. Maybe we won't. I say we. Um, by that, I mean Jason, um, because he's got the golden keys, baby. Um, <laughs> That's right. Uh, that means uh, thank you, as always, gentlemen. Uh, that very lively introduction. Um, since uh, the film's release, Uncle Boonmi has rightfully attained uh, an established sort of notable presence um, for, for moviegoers. There are, of course, uh, many other cinematic uncles that deserve their own moments in the spotlight, so I figured we could give them the courtesy in a little segment I like to call Uncle Nody. Uh, that name, as well as this segment, um, uh, 
they feel like a stretch to me. Um, so I apologies, uh, apologize for this uh, in advance. Old-time prayer, I very much like this segment, Cody. Oh, yes. Thank you. I, I, I am, my mind is reeling right now. Well, all right. I will be well, honest. I thought that last night you left early to go and uh, review your noties. I really, really thought that the segment was going to be Cody's noties, who can recall his past noties, and it would have been a quiz oh, about previous Cody's oh, noties. Oh, man. But, uh, I'm, I'm very excited for this one. That would have uh, an amazing idea. Maybe I'll do that someday. I would have to take an entire week off work uh, in order to. Make that <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of time. work. Um, I, I'll I'm I'm gonna do my best to recall that for uh, future versions of myself. Um, but but while um Jason and maybe Harry are sort of reeling here, I'll just you know quickly describe um what I'll be doing, which is uh I'll present each uncle related trivia tidbit one at a time. After each uh bit, uh, after each statement, I will ask y'all in um. Uh, my, my canned phrase is like um, alphabetical or reverse alphabetical. I'm going to do reverse alphabetical by first name order. There's just two of us here uh, or two of you there. Hell so, yeah, man. Uh, doesn't really matter. Uh, <laughs> but regardless, uh, you'll get a point for every correct answer or closest to the correct answer. And the person with the most points at the end wins. As always, Trivia Mafia rules apply here. So use your nudes, not your googs. With that, let us jump in. Starting with uh, for number one, I figured I'd start off with a banger up top. We've got Uncle Ben of Spider-Man fame. Uh, in 2002's Spider-Man, Uncle Ben uh, Parker claims to be, uh, he claims to be 68 years old. Uh, I don't remember that, but the internet told me that. Um, 68 years old was Uncle Ben in 2002's uh, Spider-Man. The late uh, Cliff Robertson portrayed Uncle Ben in that movie or those couple of movies. How old was Cliff Robertson at the time of filming 2002's Spider-Man? That's the question, and I will kick it to Jason first for your guess. How old was Cliff Robertson? Hmm, I'm going to guess 65. All right, 65 says Jason and Harry. What's your guess? Uh, I do remember that scene. That's his introductory scene. He's talking to Aunt May. Um, I'm going to guess 68. Um, I'm, yeah. Oh, you think he's he think he's throwing him for you throwing you for a loop, huh? You you think by we'll contrast see, he's trying to throw you off? Well, I don't know. We'll see. Oh, loop de loop and pulling. Your shoes are looking cool. Um, that's SpongeBob. <laughs> Cliff Robertson was seventy five years old at Whoa. the time of filming. Uh, even so, apparently makeup artists still made him look a little older. Which, if, if I'm doing the My logic correctly, that he was he was looking fly as all hell, wasn't yeah. he? He's up on a ladder uh, in his introductory scene and shit. Yeah. 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 Climbing all sorts of ladders. Uh, Cliff the Robertson, RIP. of a lifetime, right? We can all agree. Like when that last scene when he's dying, man, absolutely crushing. Yep. 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 Oh, yeah. I would agree with that. Um, I would also agree with, uh, well, not 100% with Harry's guess, uh, but it was closest to the correct answer. So Harry gets the point. For that prompt, um, next up for number two, we have Uncle Fester. Uh, I personally know him most from the, uh, maybe it's a generational thing, but from the 90s, uh, Adam's Family and Adam's Family Values. Uh, and in those movies, Fester is portrayed by Christopher Lloyd, a uh, legend. Um, what I'm going to do is read off some IMDb trivia for Mr. Lloyd, and Yell's job will be to determine which of these factoids is false. So we're looking for the, the false fact, if you like alliteration. So the first one here. A devoted bicyclist, Christopher Lloyd once rode through Italy, pedaling from Milan to Venice. So that's the first one. Uh, the second one here, Christopher Lloyd used to be an office worker for William Hanna and Joseph Barbera at MGM's cartoon department. 
And then the third one, as a young actor, Christopher Lloyd performed at the Yale Repertory Theater with Meryl Streep. So again, we're looking for the fake fact among those three. Uh, Jason, what's your pick? I'm going to say, oh man, uh, I do not believe that he studied with Meryl Streep or performed with Meryl Streep. I, I don't know this for a fact, but I'm just going to wager it. C. Okay, gotcha. C and Harry, what's your Damn pick? it, Jason. That was what I was going to guess, but there's only two of us. We I can have both to be win. We can both lose. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with A. I really, really want it to be true because imagine you're like a little Italian boy and Christopher Lloyd is bicycling <laughs> through your like village and you see him and you're like, that's Doc Avanti. <laughs> uh, but maybe maybe you're being tricky with the cities. Um, so I'm going to go with A. Maybe I'm being tricky with the cities. Uh, I'm not in this case. The improper factoid is B, uh, the one on, about uh, Hanna-Barbera. Uh, so this piece of trivia is actually attributed to Lloyd's peer from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, Jack Nicholson. What? Uh, oh, wow. Re- reportedly, uh, going by his IMDb trivia section, so, you know, the usual grain of salt. So allegedly, uh, reportedly, um, theoretically, Hanna-Barbera actually offered him a job as an animator at the studio um, that he was at their studio he was working at, but he declined in order to focus on his acting career. Um, you want to make which, some moving pictures? You want me to draw you some little drawings, Jack? Hey, hey, uh, hey can I get Harry? Can I get Harry as Jack Nicholson responding when... Uh, when his bosses at Hanna Barbera are like, Jack, this animation is complete shit. You need to redo it entirely. This is garbage. Why did you write it this way? You can't handle the cartoons. Yes, <laughs> that's what I was looking for. All right, continue. Uh, yeah, uh, I wish I could give bonus points for that. Um, I, I, brownie points, perhaps. Uh, noty points, but not. Well, I guess the noty points are the the textual points. Literal uh, no points. points. Were uh, literal points uh were not gained on the last question um but we all learned a little something uh i would like to think uh, about alleged trivia <laughs> about famous actors i'm just gonna go to the next question for number three uh of five number three out of five we're gonna take a look at uncle frank from the home alone films uh so here's the thing while looking up the original home alone and thinking about what i was going to uh, attach to this question I, I came across various reports of what the original drafts of the home alone screenplay were and what some of the deleted scenes apparently looked like and there were some uh interesting pivots for the frank character uh played by jerry bamman uh by the way if i said that correctly apologies if not uh what i'm going to do is list off some alleged uh, glimpses into what home alone was almost going to be like uh, but it inevitably wasn't and what i'll need y'all to do is uh, tell me which one of these isn't true? So again, we're going for the the, the false fact in this case, and I'll, I'll list off three of them. First one, Uncle Frank was originally going to be a writer. A version of the dinner scene was filmed wherein uh, Kevin spills Pepsi all over Frank's notes for his novel. Uh, so that's the first one. The second one here, in a deleted scene, Frank pranks Kevin by telling him that everyone in France will call him Yank, and then he pulls Kevin's trousers down. So that's... The second uh, one. Hey, uh, th- that's Frank for you. And then the third one here. In the rumored original draft of the screenplay, Uncle Frank hires Harry and Marv to rob the McAllister house and also to kill Kevin. So those are the three alleged glimpses into what Frank and Home Alone uh, would have been like. Um, perhaps they are in an alternate reality somewhere. Um, but more to the point here, Jason, what is your pick for which one of those is not true, allegedly? Uh, 
Thank you for asking, Cody. I do, in fact, have an answer ready, but I do, before getting to it, I want to get, uh, can I get a clean read of Harry as Jack Nicholson as Frank in uh, scenario B, in which um, Frank presumably has his, his wang fully out and he's be calling, being called Yank. Can I just get uh, just your, your uh, screen read on that, Harry? I will not do that on the grounds that I may incriminate myself. God damn it. Uh, I'm going to answer B. In the, in the absence of a funny joke, thanks, Harry. I'm going to answer B. All right. B for Jason. And uh, what for Harry will be his pickaroo? You know, those Frenchies, they have a name for guys like you, and it's Yank. Uh, <laughs> I think I would go with um, C. Also, is, is Uncle Frank the guy who says, look what you did, you little jerk? The very same uh, Uncle Frank, the the, piece the of heel of the McAllister household. I mean, they're all pieces of shit. That's I was going to say, and that's saying something because the McAllisters are a mean, terrible family. They, oh God. Uh, yeah, Harry and I have had this conversation before. We will save it for not the pod. Uh, the false fact of these three is in fact A, um, uh, the the writer novel one and uh, i guess full disclosure jerry bamman apparently is or i mean he's still alive but i don't know if he's a playwright any longer but he is or was a playwright uh as uh as well as being an actor so that's where i got the idea for that one um but yeah b and c wow. uh the the yank and the um uncle frank being the alleged mastermind behind the robbery those were all drafts that um did not come to fruition or did not make the final cut which um thank god <laughs> That is Uncle Buck Wild, I would say. I'm, I'm hoping that there is a piece Ooh. of Uncle Buck trivia in here somewhere. Uh, I, I'm hoping there's I, not because Jason's going to beat my ass at that question. <clears throat> I, hey, we'll wait and see. Um, we do have two questions left. Um, still anybody's game. It's a, a one to zero lead for Harry. Um, God, I skunked the fellas these last two. That man, you let's really go, did. Man. Holy shit, Cody. Cody loves to skunk the fellas. Yeah. Uh, for number four here, I figured we'd turn our attention to uh, Uncle Scar from The Lion King. I don't know if he's ever called Uncle Scar, just Scar. Um, <laughs> okay, okay, this is the kind of game we're playing, huh? Oh, well, young Timba calls he's him an Uncle, Uncle Scar all the time. Uncle Scar! Uh, well, Jonathan Taylor Tom- uh, Thomas voice, um, which I can't do, uh, so don't ask me for a clean read, Jason. Uh, but Scar was famously voiced by Jeremy Irons. Um, Shoutouts, Irons wasn't always the surefire choice to portray this character. A number of other actors were in contention as well. Uh, which, uh, my question for you all, which of the following actors was uh, not reportedly in consideration for the role of Scar? Again, I'm going to give you three of them. First one, Sean Connery. Second one, Anthony Hopkins, and C, Tim Curry. So again, which one of these was reportedly not in uh, consideration to voice uh, Uncle Scar, Jason? Uh, Sean Connery, A. All right, uh, Sean Connery for Jason, and who for you, Harry? Uh, I'm going to feel like a real idiot. I know for a fact Tim Curry was, so I'm going to go with A as well because I feel like Anthony Hopkins was hot off of uh, Silence of the Lambs and would have been quite a commodity. He's so like maybe evil. it was yeah. stunt casting. Um, so yeah, I'm going to go with Sean Connery as well. Gotcha. Uh, as far as I can tell, the only one of these three uh, uh, through various uh, online searches to verify my, my findings, my deep nudies research, the only one of those three with no ties to any rumors of being cast as Scar in The Lion King is... 
B, Anthony Hopkins, the you skunk know, again, Cody. Uh, to your point, Harry, about Tim Curry, uh, you know what's what's truly wild? Allegedly, uh, just to, to add some detail to this, allegedly Tim Curry was cast as Scar and set to play him, but he eventually left the production to instead work on Home Alone 2 Lost in New York. Whoa. Oh, wow. Man. I mean, I like they that got movie. They got a cheese but... pizza. <laughs> <laughs> just for me uh i'm cheesing right now uh score still one zero going into the final question here finally we end on um not uncle buck but uncle owen uh from star wars uh uncle owen is portrayed in the original star wars by phil brown and uh portrayed in uh as uh, jeepers uh, uh, uh grammar here joel edgerton plays him not only in attack of the clones and uh, revenge of the sith i believe but uh, apparently also in the upcoming obi-wan kenobi miniseries as well he will reprise uh <laughs> uncle owen can't wait to see how they retcon him uh but sort of a straightforward question to conclude this game um i don't know if it's a24 or a24 but with regards to joel edgerton how many a24 films has joel edgerton been in so we're looking for for a number here how many a a24 just to get the mix in how many a24 films has joel edgerton been in jason uh i can think of two off the top of my head so i'm gonna guess four all right four says jason and what does harry say i'll go with five harry will go with five so edgerton uh comma joel has been in three a24 films um, right i though i concede for i thought it was going to be way higher um i think it might just be because lately he's been picking a lot of like indie projects which uh, cool for him uh but his a24 titles are the rover which uh i was gonna say who i thought that was in but i might be thinking of a different movie but the rover it comes at night and the green knight um so yes, those, those three, we end this, this, uh, tumultuous journey of ours, uh, in a one-to-one deadlock, both, uh, both fellas here, Jason and Ari are simultaneously victorious and not victorious as well as so many things all at once and moment to moment. They are, um, a lot of new and different and exciting things too. Uh, but that's it for the noties. I tell you, if that wasn't a well-fought contest, then I'll be a monkey's uncle. Hey, I am feeling particularly avuncular. Uh, I don't know about y'all. Actually, do either of you have nieces or nephews? Am I the only uncle uh, on the pod right now? Great. I Yes. You're wow. uncle number Wait. one, which yes. I think means he wins, right, Cody? He gets an uncle point. Uncle I'm point. crying, uncle. I get the uncle about bump. this contest. <laughs> Goodbye. Thank you, you, Cody, for another rousing edition of Cody's Noties. That was Uncle Noti. You can uh, find many, many more instances and games of Cody's Noties, including uh, Trilibs and other trivia-based and uh, group-based fun games at the end of every episode of Trilibs since, like, what, 100 or something earlier? We we formalized it somewhere along the way, but uh, it's always been fun. Uh, and this is no exception. Uh, this has been our episode on Uncle Boonmi, who can recall his past lives, a 2010 film, which you should just find. Um, I'm not going to go any deeper than that. You should find it and watch it because it's really good, as you can uh, probably uh, surmise from from all that we've had good good to say about it. Uh, you, 
This is our podcast, and it's called Try Love. You can find us on Twitter at Try Love Podcast. You can find the Trilon Cinema, which is the place that plays a lot of the movies we talk about, uh, at Trilon Cinema and at Trilon.org. You can become a member of the Trilon Club, which is a, ser- a group of supporters that get a bunch of cool freebies and discounts and uh, secret screenings, baby, every once in a while, uh, along with things like uh, just tickets and merch and uh, special events. You can find those all at Trilon.org. Uh, little old me, I'm Jason Daphnis. You can find me on Twitter at Nintendoofus if you should so desire. Uh, y'all should desire, for what it's worth. Uh, when Jason asked if he was the only uncle on the pod, it took me an embarrassingly long time uh, for me to answer. There may be some ums and ers and ahs that Jason choose, uh, chooses to leave in. Um, and my lack of ability to remember what characterizes an uncle <laughs> is a, a telltale sign that I probably need to take a nap. So that's probably where I'm headed. Uh, but uh, for the time being, anyway, I've been Cody Narvison. You can find me on Twitter at Cody underscore BH. Nap sounds amazing, Cody. Um, if uh, if anybody knows when Memoria is coming to Minneapolis, um, hit me up because <laughs> I want to see it very badly. Uh, if you are somehow a listener who's not in Minneapolis, you should see Memoria when you can because it sounds like you'll have very limited opportunities to do so. Um, so support this guy's work because it's really awesome. Um, I've been Harry Mack, and you can find me on Twitter at Shiitake Harry. Facing the Jungle the hills and vales, my past lives as an animal and other beings, rise up before me.
ไปบน